My name is Kurt. I'm one of the pastors here. I want to add my welcome to you this morning. Uh, we are in a new season. It's a, a new year. Uh, Christmas is over. We're in the season of Epiphany. Uh, that goes from January 6th until Lent begins, I believe, maybe February 22nd this year or something like that. And Epiphany is a season of revealing. It's a season when in the story of Scripture we see uh, Jesus, that baby that was born at Christmas, begin to be revealed as God's chosen one, the Messiah that would come. We uh, see the dove descend on him in his baptism. We see him uh, transfigured on the Mount of Transfiguration, and his glory is revealed to his disciples. And as we continue to seek God's leading in our lives, I just pray in this season of Epiphany that uh, Jesus will be revealed as the Messiah, as God's chosen one to each one of us, maybe in some new and some fresh ways in this season. We're starting a, a new series that'll go for a few weeks here uh, that we're, I'm going to call Navigating Life's Transitions. In many ways, as I talk to people, um, both in our church and in our community, as I talk to uh, other pastors in our denomination, I, I continue uh, to, to, to get, if you get just below the surface, to, to realize that all of us continue to struggle to be in this kind of weird season in life, this in-between time where we know that we can't go back to what was. And yet we, we can't imagine yet what God is leading us into and what the, the new future is going to hold. And so in this middle ground, in this in-between season, it leaves us uh, feeling uncomfortable. It feels us uh, without inspiration and maybe lacking motivation. And if you're like me and you, you like to be an effective person and, and see things happen that, that actually work out and that make a difference in life, you may be feeling somewhat stuck stuck in, in your ability to be effective in your own life, maybe in your own marriage or as parents with your own kids or in your own workplace. There's so many ways that we continue to struggle with this season of being in between. And what I want to suggest for us today and in the season ahead is that rather than just assuming that we're, we're stuck in this place for God knows how long and that there's nothing that we can do, Instead, if we look to Scripture and we understand God's developmental work in His people's lives, both in our lives today as well as throughout the centuries, God always leads His people into times of transition. And it's in the midst of the transition that God most often does His deepest work in us. In many ways, as a church and as a society, we continue to exist within an ongoing transition in our lives and in our world. And as we look to some of the uh, Christian leaders who have studied how God develops leaders and Christians over a lifetime, we begin to understand that, that a time of transition in a believer's life is often marked by experiences of difficulty and confusion and a lack of motivation, and, and, and often it, it ends up leading to conflict in relationships, and, and a difficulty having a sense of, of where the, the, the future is leading us and where God is at work. Dr. J. Robert Clinton, who studied over 5,000 Christian leaders' lives, has said, over a lifetime, as Christ's followers and leaders continue to grow and mature, 
they will experience succinct and different phases of development. As they move from one level of development to the next level, often involving a new phase of life, they will face periods involving transition. We see this reality played out in the lives of many people in the Bible. If you go back and you look at the stories of God's people, you can understand that God used transition to lead Abram to leave his home and his family and to travel to a land that he did not know, the land that God would show him. Transitions pushed Moses, leading him beyond his own doubts and inadequacies to to become the one who would lead God's people out of bondage in Egypt and into the newness of life. Or a major transition in Joshua's life thrust him into new leadership and and the, the calling to lead God's people out of the wilderness and into the promised land. Or even in the New Testament, you can go and see the story of Jesus' disciples and how through a series of life transitions, a fisherman named Peter was transformed to become a pastor and an apostolic leader in the early church. Throughout the Bible, we can see stories of how God uses times of transition to guide people and to develop people and to reveal his calling on their lives. But I also want to acknowledge that it doesn't diminish the reality that times of transition are often difficult, painful, and confusing for us when we're in them. That's why Bobby Clinton also said, many folks don't, do not weather transitions very well and often appear to be stuck. How are you feeling today? Are, are you feeling stuck at all? Are you feeling this malaise that we're all going through? Are you feeling like you're in an in-between time? Or, or maybe if not for you personally, just the transition that we're in culturally and as a society, and how can, none, how can any of us not be impacted by what we're experiencing in our world and in our culture? More often than not, when things get challenging, We want to hurry up and take a shortcut through the transition, right? We want it to end as quickly as possible. We want to get from where we are to the finish line tomorrow. (laughs) And yet we're also invited to recognize that transitions are normal things for Christ followers. And leaders go through transitions as a part of God's developmental work in their lives and how God works to guide and to shape a person's character and calling. Jim Branch, who was a Young Life Area Director in Tennessee from 2002 to 2011 and is now the director of an organization called Core Leadership in Tennessee, said, so much of life is lived in between. In between the now and the not yet, between the arriving and the departing, between the growing up and the growing old, between the questions and the answers. Lord, help us not to live for the distant day when the in-between will be no more, but help us to have the courage to step into that sacred space of the in-between, knowing that it is a place where life is transformed. Transitions happen in the lives of every disciple of Jesus, whether they're business people or homemakers or whether they're students or retired folks. In fact, based on Clinton's research, uh, we can say that every Christ follower will experience somewhere between 12 to 18 transitions throughout their lifetime. 
Some of those transitions may be smaller transitions and not huge, a huge deal to go through, but some of them, the fewer number, will be major transitions. They will be life-transforming experiences where God takes our lives in a completely new direction. And while many of us might not be in a major life-transforming season like that in this moment, can I suggest to us that as a church and as a culture, we are smack dab in the middle of just such a season of life and ministry. The challenge is that in times of transition, like we're experiencing today, as we're saying, they are often marked by experiences of restlessness and a lack of motivation, which can lead to self-doubt and feelings of stagnation and can lower our sense of self-confidence. We can lack clear directions and can lead us to feeling isolated and disconnected from people around us. It can lead to a sense of distance from God in our lives. And ultimately, as I said, it can lead to feelings of a lack of effectiveness. But because of all these factors in these times of transition, it's common for many of us to begin to feel stuck. But what we don't often realize is that in these times of transition that God wants to do his greatest work within us, preparing us for the future that we cannot yet see, but that he knows and wants us to experience as his gift and his blessing to each one of us. In fact, God often uses times of transition to prepare us just for this new thing that only he knows. Today, I just want to talk about two truths about transitions as a way of setting up our series. Number one, transitions are more about character development than job description. (laughs) It's more about being than doing. And secondly, that God uses transitions to align his people to his purposes. Transitions are more about character development than job description. They're more about being than doing. Terry Walling, who studied with Bobby Clinton at Fuller Seminary and wrote his book called Stuck, Navigating the Transitions of Life and Leadership, says, in transitions, God turns a searchlight on the heart. And he suggests that over a lifetime, God uses our life experiences, the people, the events, the circumstances that we experience to bring to light the good works that he has prepared for each of us to participate in before the world began. You guys remember Ephesians 2, verse 10? For we are God's handiwork, or we are God's workmanship, or or we are God's artwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. God has a plan for your life. God has designed you and shaped you to be a part of his body and a part of his kingdom in a way that nobody else can. And yet, if you're like me in the midst of this weird, crazy season, you might be starting to question, what does that mean, God? What does that look like in the days ahead? I'm not sure if what I was doing before, the way I was doing it, is going to take me where you're leading me and is going to really prepare me for the new world that's unfolding around us. And yet, even though times of transition often include prolonged experiences of waiting and frustration and difficulty, God uses these times to create in us a hunger for something more, 
a desire to experience something greater in life, and a passion to live our lives with greater and new significance. Does anybody here this morning have a hunger, a growing desire to say, you know what, I'm not satisfied with where I'm at. I'm not happy with life the way it is. There's got to be something better than we're experiencing today. There's got to be something good that's going to come out of this mess that we are going through. Is it possible that God is using the, the terrible experience that we've gone through in life in this world to wake us up to the new thing that he wants to do in you and the new thing that he wants to do in me and perhaps the new thing that he wants to do through us together here at Faith Covenant Church. In this series, I want to suggest, as Walling does in his book, that transition times in our lives are often used by God to reveal to us that we need new knowledge or a new understanding that we haven't had before. We need God to give us the ability to to see the world around us in new ways and to understand where he is working in our lives, in our church, in new patterns of life and ministry, which would require us to understand that, that we're not presently equipped for the new world that is emerging around us that we need more training and we need to more preparation and we need to be equipped to be able to step into the new opportunities that God might be bringing our way. And in the midst of this inner restlessness that we continue to, to experience, we begin to see that, that, that God is showing us that that restlessness and that dissatisfaction itself is a very sign of our souls desiring a deeper connection to God himself. In fact, Walling in his book says it's most often through these times of transition that God reminds us of one of the greatest truths of discipleship to Jesus, that the breadth of your influence for Jesus is directly proportional to the depth of your intimacy with Jesus. The breadth of your influence for Jesus is directly proportional to the depth of your intimacy with Jesus. Now, some of us who might date ourselves, do you guys remember the old children's song, uh, Deep and Wide? Had some hand motions, right? Deep and wide, deep and wide, there's a fountain flowing deep and wide. And you go faster and faster, deep and wide, deep and wide, there's a fountain flowing deep and wide. (laughs) Do we understand how much truth there is in that children's song? And the reality that God allows often difficult, confusing, and challenging circumstances to come into our lives and to come into our ministry and to to be a part of what we experience at church, not because of lack of his care for us or his desire to bless us, but just the opposite, because he wants to take us deeper in our relationship with him. And I want to suggest for us today in this introductory uh, sermon that what makes this issue of greater relevance for us today is that we continue to be in this unprecedented time of global change that continues to drive our lives into a time of perpetual transition. We are all acknowledging that the speed of change today is throwing fuel on the intensity that is already present 
in this time of transition that we're all going through. Terry Walling, in this book that he wrote in 2008, uh, wrote what sounds to me like maybe a prophetic statement (laughs) all the way back then. Can you imagine that 2008 was all the way back then? (laughs) He says, we need to admit to ourselves that we don't know what is coming around the bend. None of us can be sure what lies ahead. At best, we are defining what will be by, uh, be by what is not. We are in a post-modern world versus a modern world. We're, we're in a post-Christian society versus a Christian society. We don't even have words to describe what is coming because we don't even know what it is. One thing is clear, he says, life has changed and it will be different than one, the one most of us have known and found comfort in. The formula-driven Christianity and six simple steps we studied in the past won't work for today or tomorrow. The future, he says, must be formed from a realization that we live in a different world. We are part of a different world and we need a different kind of faith. One that is built upon the reality of change and a deeper intimacy with Christ as its foundation. But to go there, it will take the courage to go to a different place. To be a different kind of church. And to walk a different path with Jesus. A path that only transition can produce. Which leads us to the second piece that I want to look at today is that God uses transitions to align his people with his purposes. Walling says that in the end, transitions are really all about stewardship. God uses these times of growth and change in our lives to remind us that his call as followers of Jesus is to invest our lives in the expansion of God's kingdom on this side of heaven as our act of stewardship of the gift of life that he's given us in his son Jesus and as our physical and mental and emotional and spiritual act of worship. Isn't that what Romans 12, 1 and 2 tells us? And I want to suggest to us that this is what we can see in the familiar parable of Jesus, the parable of the talents, or what the NIV calls the parable of the the bags of gold. But I want to suggest what I've heard other people say that sounds right to me is that that many people have misnamed this parable because it's really not about the talents. It's really not about the bags of gold. But, you know, we kind of perk up, ooh, you know, money. But more appropriately, it might be called the parable of of the stewards. Listen again to this story that Jesus told his disciples. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole, put it in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought out Bought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. 
I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came, Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid, and I went out and I hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, You wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed? Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. For whoever has will be given more and they will have in abundance. Whoever does not have, even the little they have will be taken away from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Can we not say that as followers of Jesus, if we really extrapolate out the story of our lives to the end of history, when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, do we not ultimately desire to hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant? You have been faithful with the few things that I have given you. It's not that we can or will be perfect in living out the life that God has called us to live. But it's the invitation to know that we have worked hard, that we have done our best, that we have committed to continually picking ourselves up and moving forward in the mercy and the grace of Jesus Christ to invest our lives in the things that God has revealed to us through his word that matter most to his kingdom so that we can hear the the voice of our Lord and our Master speaking His words of blessing over each one of us. Well done, good and faithful servant. Now, it's also important, I want to suggest for us briefly today, that this well-done blessing of the Master to the stewards, to the servants, isn't an invitation into spiritual retirement. Right? That's not what he says. It's an expansion of influence, and it's an expansion of responsibility, and it's an expansion of the possibility that we can do more for God's kingdom, and and that we can be a greater impact on the world around us. And in the process of experiencing that expansion of our capacity that comes from the Master's blessing, of the responsibility that he gives to us, we experience the joy and the happiness of the Master upon our lives. Listen to the words again in verse 21. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. Now go retire and play golf for the rest of your life. Oh, no, he didn't say that? You have been faithful with a few things. Go watch Netflix and enjoy coffee with your friends and and, and travel around the world. Hmm. Hmm. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. 
You've done what you've been able to do with what I've been given you, what I've given you thus far. Now let me bless you and give you more. Let me give you a greater sense of mission and a greater sense of purpose. Let me show you how I can multiply the gifts that I've given you to be a blessing to those around you so that you can see the power and the presence of the kingdom expand in ways that you couldn't have even imagined. And when we come to church, when we give our lives to Jesus, when we say that we belong to the kingdom of God in this world, isn't that part of what, what our hearts hope for, is to be a part of that kind of a mission? Isn't that what inspires us to, to, to give our time and our talent and treasure to a cause that is greater than our own, to a, a master who can manage our stuff better than we could? And yet somehow along the way, as, as our vision gets narrowed to our experiences and our responsibilities and our time of life in this world, our time, life, life you know, under the sun, as Ecclesiastes says, we, we, we narrow our vision of what we think is possible and what we think God might have for us. And we find ourselves in these seasons where we begin to even doubt whether God has a plan or a call in my life at all. And I feel like we've reached a point in our Christianity, at least in America, I don't know, maybe around the world, where the average church person has no clear sense that there, there is a call on their life, that they, they have a responsibility to the kingdom of God, that that's reserved for people who've gone to seminary and who are ordained, and they, they get paid to be a Christian full-time, right? And that church is a building on a corner that provides religious goods and services where we come and if we pay our dues, then we become consumers of the religious services that ch the church provides. And as long as you provide for the needs that, that I have, then I'll be happy and I'll, I'll continue to come and I'll continue to attend. But God forbid you should stop giving me what I want. I might just stop giving you my money and I might vote with my feet and go somewhere else. Men and women, I believe we are at a critical time in the life of the church where we need a renewed sense of what God's call is on each one of our lives so that collectively we can discern what God is calling us to do as a body. And we are in just such a season, a transition, when we might be open to hearing a new word from God that clarifies his plan and his purposes for us in new ways that bring us joy and excitement and the possibility of new things for each one of us. Breadth of ministry and depth of intimacy are woven together in the ongoing transformation of the life of each disciple of Jesus Christ. The intentional pause that is created by times of transition in our lives creates a space for us, if we're willing, to begin to re-examine the priorities of our lives and the priorities of our relationships and the priorities of our church. To be able to take time to go back and review all of the lessons that God has already taught us that he's built into the stories of our lives. And to, 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 to understand how all of those lessons are pointing us to a future that he has planned from before the creation of the world. 
and can begin to redirect our choices and our orientation that are based on God's plans and purposes for our lives and less on what we think we need or want or desire. Because then we begin to live our lives not for ourselves, but for a cause that's greater than ourselves. And it's the one cause the Bible tells us that will give you a return on your investment for eternity. The reality is that God develops us for a lifetime. God is always working in your life, shaping you, molding you, developing you. Whether we realize it or not, whether we're aware of it or not, the Bible clearly tells us that God is actively at work growing you and developing you and blessing you. And times of transition are often those tools that God uses to wake us up to his work and to redirect us to understand what he's trying to do so that we can come in alignment with the work that he's doing so we can experience greater fulfillment and success in our walk with Jesus. But if we fail to recognize when we are in a season of transition that God wants to use for our blessing, and we fail to take the time to understand what God's intentions are in this moment and the shaping activity that he is wanting to do, we can unwittingly short-circuit the very developmental work that God is doing, and we can miss that next level of experience that he invites us to in our relationship with him. I love this quote from Terry Walling. He says, the reality is that in times of transition, we want out, and God wants in. In times of transition, we want out, but God wants in. Even though it can be difficult, it is in times of transition that we're invited to grapple and wrestle with the deeper issues that continue to plague us, that continue to cause us to stumble and fall, that continue to hamper us from experiencing the happiness and the joy of our Master. And we are reminded that effective lives of doing for God are naturally designed and created by God to flow out of the overflow of our time spent being with God. So when we enter into times of transition, which I believe is part of our invitation as a church in this season, with eyes wide open and a willingness to allow God to do His shaping work within us, that God will grant us greater influence and greater spiritual authority in the world around us so that we can courageously go deeper in our relationship with Christ as he expands our capacity to make a difference in the world for his kingdom. But the challenge that I feel personally and that I want to suggest as a challenge for each one of us in the days ahead, is that it will require us, as God speaks, as God reveals his will, it will require us to willingly choose to reprioritize our own choices and our own values and what we spend our time and talent and treasure investing in in this world. In the end, we can have faith that God uses times of transition to lead us into new clarity and a deeper understanding of the hope that he has revealed in his son Jesus for the future of all humanity and the world that he has created. 
And so the more we learn about God's purposes, even in the midst of these transition times in our lives, the more we can begin to join him in the work that he is doing and to align ourselves with his plans and his purposes. That's going to be what we're talking more about. That's going to be our challenge as a faith community. And that's what I want to invite you to open yourselves to the possibility for your life in the future as we join together in learning how to navigate transitions in life. Amen? Let's pray. God, we know that we continue to be in a time of transition, and with all the difficulty that comes along with that and the confusion and the wondering, we also are reminded today, God, that you are with us in the midst of it. Forgive us for the ways that maybe we have forgotten that you use all things for our good and for your glory and and open ourselves in new and fresh ways to the ways that you might be wanting us to come to a fresh insight and a fresh awareness of the work that you are doing inside each one of us to develop us and to grow our character so that we can become more like Christ and so that we can invest the bags of gold, the gift of life that you have given us in the desire that you want to see those multiplied to be a blessing to the world around us. And God, we will thank you. We will praise you for the ways that you continue to call us forward out of darkness and into your marvelous light. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.